So we're on and we're excited about the opportunity to have some conversation, some dialogue. Um, Deborah and I have been talking quite a bit. We're going to give some folks a moment to kind of sign on to live. They usually give about five minutes. We give about two. Uh, but um, Deborah and I have been talking quite a bit as the task force has been rolling since, since March, late March, the task force on racial inequities really focused on many things, including business banking and workforce development, which is why we're joined today by Adrian Walker as a co-host, really co-moderator, helping us to moderate this conversation. Uh, we've been talking quite a bit about closing the disparities and what it's meant for those disparities to have been closed in, in Flint. Many people know the numbers, 60% of the population is black and brown in Flint. And at the beginning March, 80 something percent of the cases, 90 something percent of the fatalities or deaths were, uh, were black and brown people. And right now, I'll say September, October results showed a significant closing of that gap. But we also know while the gap closed, we're still wrestling through these holidays and um, small businesses have still been hurt really bad. Um, and so while we can celebrate the closing of the gap of disparities in this community, we also have to be thoughtful about um, our business banking and workforce development community, our small business community, and what it is they might need in this season, what they've learned. And I thought today might be a good opportunity to have some conversations with some folks across that, that spectrum, folks who own restaurants in Flint, folks who own uh, brick and mortar clothing and uh, clothing stores in Flint, folks who, who are operating in the support of small business space and just have some conversations with them about what this, this year has meant for them. Um, what have you struggled with? Uh, what innovations have you come up with in order to make it happen? And then what do you need from the listening audience, from those of us on the line? What do you need from us moving forward to, in order to, to keep the momentum going and obviously to continue to do good business? And so that's it. Um, again, Adrian Walker, um, say your long title, Adrian. Oh, oh man, <laughs> you're crazy. But uh, official title is the Director of Government Affairs for the Flint Genesee Chamber of Commerce. Um, but as Isaiah mentioned, I get a chance uh, to work in my capacity with working with a number of small businesses across Flint and Genesee County. And I've heard uh, firsthand about the experience oh. been on the lockdown. Uh, so when Isaiah reached out with the opportunity be a part of this conversation today it, it was important um you know i came here representing that i do but more so to hear all hear from our panelists about how they've been impacted how they pivoted but more so also what does relief look like as well uh, both short term but also long term as well and then always co-piloting this thing we have dr deborah Furholden. um no matter what we do during this COVID season we're going to need help perspective um, we always lean to her to help us understand public health. Um, she's a trained epidemiologist, 20 years, 20 plus years experience, and she's been on the ground doing tons of work here in Flint. And so always amazing to have her in our corner. But today, our special guest, at least for the start of this conversation, are a few folks who own, co-own, operate, and run uh, restaurants here locally. And so we have, and I'm looking at my camera, we have Dr. Bobby McCumla. We have Ray Tyler, we have Philip Schultz, and we're going to have Kisa Smith um, join us in a moment. Welcome. Hello. Good to be here. Hey, Ray. Hey. Hey, hey Phil. How you doing? Good, bud. So, so we're going to start it off really easy, man. I think um, you are, Phil was wondering, so what questions are you going to ask me when I get on here? That way I'm prepared. And um, these aren't questions that you have to be prepared for. You all have been living this all year. 
it's been a tough 2020 has been a tough year for all of us, and especially for our small businesses that depend on foot traffic and depend on people showing up to the place. And so I guess I'll ask first question, just what are you grateful for this year, provided all of the things that we've had to wrestle with? What are you grateful for this year? So, uh, I mean, the first thing that occurs to me is, is my health. I mean, that's not something that uh, you can measure in a, in, a, in a QuickBooks file as far as, uh, you know, success or failure. Um, having witnessed how many people have uh, suffered, you know, even those that survive this infection, uh, but then aren't the same afterwards, that sort of thing. I mean, being a physician, I see it firsthand. Um, I mean, that's, that's what I'm most grateful for is uh, the ability to, uh, to breathe, you know, and unencumbered breathing after seeing how, how bad it can get. Thank you, Bobby. Ray, what are you, what are you grateful for? Health. That's, that's it. You know, health with me and my family, you know, I'm fortunate that nobody's close to me and my immediate family has been sick. My mom, my dad, my you know, my daughter, nobody like that. So that's it. And Shaw, same question, man. What are you, what are you grateful for? Well, <clears throat> health is the obvious one, but, but there's another one. I mean, the, the thing that's, that I've always loved about this crazy town is, is we're committed to help each other. And, and I've seen that, especially around the uh, holiday seasons, but because of this COVID issue that we're dealing with, the outpouring of people wanting to help with whether it's food or clothing or donations. I mean, the number of people that are reaching out for resources to, to give to other people that they've never helped before because they all realize that we're all in this together. The level of support that I've seen from people for this community, just it just um, surprised me. So I'm glad, I guess what I'm really glad for is we're not broken yet. We're, we may be a little bit bent, we may be a little bit hurt, but uh, as a society and as a community, we're not broken and we're still strong and we're still trying to help other people. And I, I think that's a gift that a lot of communities, I don't think, can uh, can say that they have. So, so, Phil, I'm glad you said that. I'm going to throw right back to you on that. The second part of this question is probably just how are you doing? So not what you're grateful for, but how are you doing? How is business going? Well, it's really interesting. I've had the advantage maybe of going through six recessions back to 1970, 73, 80, 90, 2008, 2009, and 2020. Um, and this one's different because virtually all of those other recessions were, were we were worried about our financial health. Well, now we're not only worried about our financial health, but we're worried about our physical health. Um, I, I, everybody is doing okay differently. Um, when you look at businesses, there's a couple of different types of businesses. And then I'm not saying necessarily the restaurant and clothing or whatever, but some businesses like my main business, it, it, when, it, when it slows down, we were down 30 or 40%, but some businesses have a pent up demand that when things get back, that that, that that bubble starts to go through again because that bent up demand is waiting there. With restaurants, it doesn't happen that way. With closing stores, I'm not so sure it happens that way. So, so there's, there's different parameters and different dealings with businesses based on if there's pent up demand or not pent up demand. Um, I, I think the thing that, that should be a takeaway from my, my elevated years and going being through six recessions, if history is any indicator of the future, which, isn't, which it isn't always, uh, we're gonna be okay. Uh, as long as it doesn't really affect our health, we're going to be okay and we're going to get out of this. And at some period, whether it's three months or nine months, we're going to be back to somewhat maybe a different normal, but we're going to be okay. I've been through many of these and we're going to be okay. And I think you need to realize 
that there is a light at the end of this tunnel. Interesting that you say that, Phil. When you said you're going to be okay, I immediately looked into to Ray Square, right? Phil, you, you often say, I'm 72 years old. I've been around the block a few times. I kind of understand what's coming next. Ray, you, you've, been, you've been doing business for a long time, but you opened your restaurant during COVID. Are you feeling that same optimism around things are going to be okay? It's going to be all right. No worries. Um, I always keep that faith, but it's kind of scary now. You know what I'm saying? Like when I first opened up, you know, I opened up through COVID. Everything was going well. Business was doing great. I had no complaints. So when we get went down to um, takeout only, you know, so I'm a restaurant with, you know, bar, entertainment, different things like that. So I went down to takeout only. I took a major hit. I'm talking, my phone keep ringing, I'm sorry. I took a major hit and not only did I take a hit, my employees took a hit. Mm-hmm. That's who I'm like, you know, that's who I'm worried about the most. It's the holidays, Christmas, everybody got kids, you know, and they got to, you know, they're trying to take care of their family. And I had to cut a lot of hours and, and you know, I had like, like 45 employees, you know what I'm saying? And so all these people are taking a hit and every day we are, I mean, like we got the week we are waiting to see what's going to be the next, uh, the next news or what's, what's going to be next next news. And, you know, here we go again. We extended again to January 15th after the holiday. So it's scary. You know, bills don't stop. You know what I mean? I've put in for a couple of grants. I have not got nothing. You know what I'm saying? So it's just been spending, 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 spending. Eventually you'll be all spent out. So you've had to pivot multiple times and Phil talked about this earlier. I mean, you have to be pretty innovative, creative as you pivot. Um, Bobby, how have you been seeing this play out and how is your, what is your level of optimism about the future or the new normal? Yeah. You know, it's uh, my, my day job isn't in the the restaurants and and retail establishments. I own mine is my day job is cleaning out earwax in my office. And for a month we shut down just because, you know, it wasn't safe to do that. And we needed those resources in the hospital, but now back in the office. Um, and, and, and that's fine. You know, it's a smaller operation and we took care of our employees there as best we could and we're doing okay. Uh, but every day I think about the consequences of this on uh, the, the restaurants and the, and the clothing stores and the things that we have going on in the city of Flint. Um, and, you know, we, I mean, I think employers approach this differently. Um, some sort of, you know, look at it just from the bottom line uh, and rely on outside resources to try to, to try to take care of people. And I think that every place that I've been involved with has really tried their best to look out for those people that are most at risk financially from the fallout of this. I mean, I think it's a, it's a management style and, and, and Ray referred to trying to take care of his folks, um, doing that the best we can, but at the same time, you know, making sure that, uh, I mean, I have relationships with our lawmakers and, and this is something that can be survived, right? We can't bring life back, but we can certainly provide financial stability through the efforts of, of government just to get us through this 12 month period. Uh, and so working with folks to make sure that access to those funds. I mean, Ray mentioned those, those funds have been available, but they're not easy to navigate, right? I mean, they're hard to get. And so just making sure that um, people can, you know, get the support that they need financially to keep their businesses going 
while waiting for vaccinations and a cure for this disease. Um, and so, you know, I, but like Phil said, I'm, I'm an optimist also. You know, we went through this downturn when the water crisis hit. I remember that September when, when Dr. Mona and Atisha released that data um, and everyone uh, was worried about how we were going to do that and manage that and, and the, the retail restaurant business kind of went down. We bounce back from that. You know, we, we take a punch in the gut around here and, and we come back for more, kind of like uh, Rocky Balboa. Hey, Isaiah. Yeah. Um, I, I know part of what, what, what the topic is, is, is the disparity in all of this. And probably in the next couple of days, these people get the head out of their butts. We're going to get another round of PPP and some federal uh, stimulus package. And what I noticed about the last one is as good as the program was, you still, you still needed to have a, a, a certain level of sophistication to be able to figure out how to do this. And, and what I've noticed is a lot of the black and brown people and the young entrepreneurs have no idea how to do this. And, and there wasn't a lot of resources saying, hey, call me, call this 911 number, and I'm gonna tell you how to walk through these PPP SBA loan agreements. And, and there's gonna be another one coming out in the next probably couple of weeks. Uh, how do we make sure that those who have never done it before um, and maybe it's their first time, or maybe they've tried it the last time and haven't gotten a round of it because of whatever, the, the, that lifeline now is so critical. And if they don't know how to navigate this crazy world of banking and finance and, and SBA, I, they're going to be left out of the cold, uh, no pun intended. And we've got to be able to bridge that gap. And I don't know if there's enough resources in the edu educational piece of this. It's interesting that you say that. I was going to throw to you, Adrian. We've been talking about this quite a bit, the Business Banking and Workforce Development Group. I mean, I know... Kisa joined us for a little bit, and Jason Trice, who's going to be on a little later, is on that subgroup. Uh, we've really been working with the Elba Credit Unions of the world, the Huntington Banks, the TCFs. Wow, TCF is now with Huntington, but like working with these groups to make sure that the relationships are there. We talk a lot about banking relationships, but we don't talk about, it's not about who you know or what you know, it's who knows you and who's reaching out to you and who's sharing information with you. And we got to make sure that we're bridging those relationships. Adrian's been doing a lot of work on the on the chamber side of this, really thinking about those relationships and ensuring they're in place when we need them. So Adrian, I'm gonna throw to you here. Yeah, you know, I think Phil brought up a, a great point because, you know, there's been a round of funding that has come from the federal government, specifically for small businesses being the PPP loan. But the way that that program was structured, uh, there's an argument to be made that, you know, black and brown communities were, were discounted even before the program got there, specifically from the requirements in terms of the banking institutions, the, the bigger banks that you had to have a pre-existing relationship with um, rather than going through a CDFI or a credit union that typically uh, the, mi the minority or black owned businesses uh, primarily work with. So those requirements are, are what's needed to be looked at. And Phil, as you mentioned, right now, as we speak, Congress is you know, debating, I believe an, another $900 billion bill um, that, you know, it's, it's, it's great that they're doing it, but when you talk to a lot of people, they will also say it doesn't go far enough. So my question for you all as panelists would be in the midst of these negotiations that's there, that they're doing, what's, what's the message in terms of, okay, yes, relief, but what should that relief look like? Well, you know, here's what my worry is. My worry is, and you're right, Isaiah, it's, it's not necessarily who you know in the second around it's who knows you and if everybody on this panel including ray and i don't know everybody's financial position but if we all have banking relationships maybe we've got a mortgage maybe we've got a small loan and you got car payments and you got all this stuff going through your bank and so now you have a relationship you're going to get priority 
and I don't care if you're white or black or whatever, as you go up that, that list within a bank and you have this relationship with that bank, you now have a priority. So, so what about the, 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 the new young entrepreneur that's just started a, a, a business and they need 10 grand or 15 grand and they don't know how to make this loan. They don't know how to go through the process. How do we get that group of entrepreneurs to have a banking institution look at them like they look at probably everybody on this line? How do we do that? Because I'm telling you, I know a lot of people that went through the process, but the bank shut down because they were only taking so many loan applications. Mm -hmm. And if you didn't fall in that category, they just turned off the spigot. And so I don't have a relationship with the bank. Now, where do I go? Do I go to some other bank? They were so full of applications, they couldn't take any more applications. So how do we funnel that group, right? How do we funnel that group into a bigger group that we go to a bank and say, you have to take care of this group of people because none of them have a relationship with the bank, but they all have a relationship with this community and we cannot afford to let the... the Still, it's interesting that you it's interesting that before, I, um, before I knew what credit was, I knew what cosine was before I knew before, <laughs> yes, I, I, did. before I understood that okay if I go in and my credit's low somebody cosigns for me and as a result I can still get the car that I want but they're going to take some of the hits for me before I understood that I knew what cosigning was cosigning was me taking my social capital and leveraging it for somebody else and I think yep. in this moment we have to figure out how we're willing to in my faith we say the overflow isn't for you how do you how do you lend some credibility to someone else in a time of need? That's allyship. That's true allyship. That's like st stepping in and filling in the gap. And I think we have to have more people willing to fill in the gap and um, and leverage leverage their social capital for other folks. But you know what's different in this case is there's no financial risk to the banking institution. This this isn't a loan like if I don't make my car payment, they're going to take my car. This is all I need is money that, that's going to be a grant that I don't have to repay. I just need to get into the funnel and have somebody do the work for me so I get the money. And that is, that's insane to me that we can't figure out a way to do that. Yeah. Because there's no risk for anybody. Yeah, exactly. That's what, that was going to be my point is that this isn't, uh, this isn't, you know, vouching for somebody's ability to pay anything back. This is just getting in line and knowing how to produce the documents required and, and log on and, and get the info to, you know, fulfill the requirements to receive the check, right? To get that direct deposit into the account. And so, but somebody that's just starting a business that's keeping track of it in a notebook because all of their focus has been on the creative side, whether that's a menu or whether that's an article of clothing, the last thing that was on their mind before this hit was how to sort of create a PL statement for the last quarter, right? Or the last six months or the last year that you need to sort of provide to justify what's, what you're asking for from this, from this uh, grant. And so that's where resources um, are needed, not just to prepare the document, but then to actually get it on the desk or on the screen of the person that's in charge of funneling it through and, and bringing in that deposit. Um, and that's where, I mean, I guess, Adrian, I would say that, you know, the chamber um, is probably, there's probably a role to play there to sort of make the smaller players um, be able to play in the big game. Yeah, and I, I would just add in, it's actually been something that we've been diving into a, a little bit more because while the grants right now are definitely needed for immediate relief, um, as we talk about long-term sustainability, what's gonna be crucial for small businesses, especially Black-owned small businesses to continue to grow, is gonna, gonna be able to ensure that access to capital. And we're working with banking institutions locally like Huntington, 
to bring them in and speak with our African-American-owned businesses and have the conversation about, again, why there's been this disconnect between the two institutions and what can be done to alleviate those barriers to, again, provide access that could be not only long-term, but also sustainable for the foreseeable future. Yeah. I don't so, know why we can't, we so can't. Let's, throw, let's for a field, I'm not trying to cut you off, but I want to make sure we get Kisa in here a minute. Um, Kisa, so, thanks for joining us. I was going to say we hit you with the you're on mute, but um, thank you for joining us. Kisa is, is kind of a tweener, right? She didn't start her business during COVID. Um, she didn't, she hasn't been doing this for 25 years. She's in between, she had some successes and then uh, COVID hit us, hit us all and hit us hard and she had to pivot her business. And so Kisa, just tell us, how are you all doing? Uh, we're doing pretty well since we uh, came back. We came back June 16th and we stayed closed for about three months. And I actually, um, because we're in the market, we were able to negotiate. We actually got our rent stalled. So we didn't have any rent. I went to um, my bank. I actually have a really good relationship with uh, Elgin Credit Union, specifically Jay McDaniel downtown. He um, was the first personal banker to actually take a chance on me. And him being, I think him being young and black did play a part because he had to go in those, you know, he had to go in those rooms and fight for me to get stuff. So the first loan I got was simply for a thousand dollars. So we started off like that. And um, even he, he is not a branch manager downtown. So even him having got a bigger position, better position there, he's able to go in and talk to me, talks for me on my behalf all the time. So um, one of the things I wanted to point out too about uh, having that relationship, the way I learned about having that banking relationship was college. The fact that when I was in business school, um, not so much communications when I was a communications major, but when I was a business major, I had some really good professors that had uh, been in business or either worked in corporate or worked for um, a couple of them worked for the presidencies, presidents, and they do they knew a lot of stuff. So they actually would be straight up real with us. So they taught us a lot of stuff. So I I knew about having a relationship with my bank was uh, important because. Um, I have to go in and have somebody speak on my behalf because I I didn't got a couple notes and he he definitely goes in there and speaks on my behalf and then me having trying to keep some money in the bank you know all that stuff play a part me having had you know paying stuff off also plays a part so I noticed that one of the Zoom calls we were on before one of the young ladies had stated she didn't have a relationship with her bank uh, her institution like that. So I definitely was uh, stressed that in the beginning because that's the only way I've been able to get ahead. Um, and now I have a business account. Um, I mean, not a business account, but a business credit card. Um, I was able to get, I think they gave me 10,000 when I first started. He was like, come back. I asked for 20, but he was like, come back and ask for more. I was like, I really need some type of credit um, so that I can have a uh, buying power. You know, if I get good credit with them, then I'm able to go to other credit lines and get more money. So, so Elga has definitely been pivotal in my success, but uh, we've been doing pretty good. We did really well over the summer. Um, and being that we are in the spot and we're in demand, we're in our fifth year. We've been open five years, October 25th. And just like I was stating in our last Zoom meeting, 
about uh, the numbers. Um, I wasn't even saying that to brag. What I was trying to get to is that Flint can be a city that you can still thrive in. I started my business right at the heat, like they had just announced the water crisis, but we were already in the play. <laughs> I'd already walked all that used equipment in that market. So we we didn't have no, no choice but to open. And I, like I said before, I had $10 left in my pocket. So I was like, hey, it's now or never. And uh, we gonna, we gonna <laughs> open this business right now. So literally uh, they had announced it maybe two a month before I opened. So I opened anyway, I didn't have a choice. So I, I was saying all that to say that for me to even do, uh, to be able to say we produce numbers and we've gone up 30 to 35% every year, that says a lot about us still, be, still being in downtown Flint, that Flint is now, even though we're having all these hardships, it's still a place where you can thrive. It is a place where you can thrive. Cause at first I kept saying, I gotta take my business elsewhere. I gotta take my business elsewhere. I don't know if we're gonna make it here, but it was, uh, it was in the divine order that I stayed here and not planted my seed here. So, and now here we are. Yep. Getting ready to open our first brick and mortar. You're doing, oh, ready to open your first brick and mortar. Yeah. <laughs> We've been working on that project over a year, you know. And um, I think, you know, I know uh, Deb is not on yet, but I know she was saying, you know, we just want to sit at the table and we just want to sit at the table. We basically, I know me and I think, I speak for everyone else that we just want to get in a position where we have buying power. And then we have guys like you guys on the Zoom call with us. It's perfect opportunity to um, have that mentorship there so we can one day be in your seat or even bigger. So, and who wouldn't want, you know, that credit for having put uh, in place some of the younger people that's coming out of Flint that uh, we know the city means a lot. The city means a lot to me. I love this city. Like I, I said, we just I just announced we're getting ready to do a, a gift back next week. We're doing it at Burston. We're giving 150 families um, boxes of all kinds of stuff. We're putting all kinds of stuff in the boxes. I really wanted to do something for the city of Flint and I wanted to do it on the north side specifically. And, you know, so I, I love this city too. So, and I want to see this city steadily grow and grow. So I think that's just what we're saying, you know, teach us some of the things you guys know, because we need to be able to pool our money together as well, so that we're not always still in the leasing position. I don't know what just happened. It looked like we were on live and that we weren't on live. Uh, Deborah, give me an update on what's, what's, what's going on. And this is what we get for uh, innovating out here. We just lost the live connection. So I just brought us back on live. We were only down for about maybe a minute max. Okay. Perfect. So Kisa, I hope we got the very close of yours. And Phil, you were saying something a little earlier and I want to make sure we don't miss it. Hey, Phil. I wish, um, you know, going back to those 10 or 15 or 50 companies, uh, young entrepreneurs that need the PPP and we're going to have one more shot at this. I hope it's only one more shot. How do, how do we, and maybe Adrian can, can help with this, but I know a lot that were shut, were shut out of the process because banks wouldn't take them. What if we could take 10 or 15 who don't know how to do this, we teach them how to go through the process, and then we go to a banking institution with some of us behind it saying, I want the bank, Huntington or Elga or whoever it is, I want you to look at this 10 or 15 companies as a whole, and you've got to get this through the bubble, because those are the ones are more at risk of, of, of going out of business. And I'll tell you, young entrepreneurs, once they go out of business once or twice, they go, eh, I'm going to go work at Walmart because this is painful. 
So I'm wondering if there's not Walmart, we, but definitely somewhere. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> on a Walmart. But you know what I'm saying? I mean, how do how do we leverage our position in this community and our position? Everybody here's got a position with the bank, right? How do we how do we put 10 or 15 companies together that don't know how to do this? And we take that whole portfolio of companies and we go to Huntington or somebody and say, you've got to put, make these guys a priority. These guys are girls. You have to be a priority and you've got to get these people funded because there's no risk. It's just how do you get them to get the, the, the attention, if you will, of these banking institutions, right? Everybody on this line can go to the bank and you're going to get the attention. And there's probably 100 people listening to this right now. They don't even know how to go to the bank and go for a PPP loan. So how do we help them? Because they're the one most vulnerable. That's a good point, Phil. So I got a question, man. So do you feel like this is the silver lining of uh, COVID or at least COVID as it relates to business banking and workforce development? We're seeing some things that we can't unsee, right? We're watching the disparities. We're watching the way PPP rolled out. We're watching the way the relationships are showing up. Um, and this is an opportunity for us to do things different in order or co-create a future together that looks a little different than the past. Do you feel like that's the silver lining? I think that is one of the silver linings. Yeah, absolutely. Only, only if we can execute. So, so tell me, let's talk about execution. We've got a few minutes before we start pulling some other folks on the call. What do we need to do to move forward in a way that's actually better for everyone than the past has been for us? I think, you know, like, like Phil was saying, it's going to take some coordination. It's going to take um, amplifying the voice of those that have a, uh, barely audible voice in the, the way that the system works right now. Um, and so honestly, I think that's going to be uh, making people like Phil mentioned and, and, and myself and, and the people on this call available to help shepherd those applications through those financial institutions, right? And so people listening here, I mean, they, they can find us. We're, we're on social media um, and we have that. We have those connections as Phil mentioned. And so I think it's just connecting this person with this person via the people that are on this call. But we need a, we need a clearinghouse for that. And I, you know, I'm going to throw Adrian under the bus here because yeah. the chamber, that's, that's their role. They're the clearinghouse. But if we set up a, if we set up some type of a process and we go to the Huntington banks of the world and say, Hey, it's coming. We're going to bring you a portfolio of town companies. It's no risk to you. We just want to move them up in the, in the food chain so you can have the visibility. I don't know how the, I don't know how a bank says no to that. Yeah, and and I think we're starting to see it uh, specifically with Huntington's Lift Local Business Initiative. They carve yeah. money specifically for minority-owned uh, businesses, women-owned businesses, and veteran-owned businesses specifically for this purpose. It's a great step. We had a conversation with them, and they said, "Hey, we want to come back to the table because even though we think we had a great program, which we do, we believe that there's some other steps that we can take." So that's. That's been beneficial. This has been something that traditionally just hasn't happened, but we feel like there's this window of opportunity. But as you all know, once, you know, the, the fear is, okay, once COVID is over, things go back to normal as usual. And you miss within that window. Yeah, and this isn't an advertisement for Huntington. All the banks, all the local banks should be able to step up and, 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 and play their part in helping those that in need and don't have those banking relationships. Right. They need a voice, as Bobby said. That was a good point that Bobby made. But the first thing that's going to happen is that even if a bank like Huntington or any of those institutions is willing and says, yep, and then they're the next thing is going to be an email with 15 different things that they need to populate the application. And that's where, I mean, yep. it's, it's difficult, period, even after having a business that's up and running to populate and, and fill out and check each of those boxes and deliver the P&L statements and all the documents that are required. And that's where 
the bank, honestly, I mean, the banks get overwhelmed with these requests. You can imagine when the floodgates open, how many people are going to be emailing their bankers and saying, okay, how do I get my application in? That the banks probably don't have the resources to sort of, you know, follow up on the email that goes out to get all of those documents in attachments and sent back. And that's where, you know, that's where mentorship comes in. And, and that's where this community thrives. You know, I mean, that's where you, there's a lot of goodwill um, to see all businesses rise. It's not a hyper competitive business atmosphere. I mean, that's why, I mean, I'm a part owner of half a dozen restaurants and, and when one succeeds, they all succeed, right? We're not at that point, like in New York city or Chicago, where this one can only succeed if this one goes down. We're so far from that level of competitiveness that, that I think there's a willingness to support. So everybody rises. So, so Ray, I'm going to throw to you for a second here, right? Because you, you're, again, you opened your business during COVID. Um, you've talked a bit about the successes, the early successes, and ultimately um, this last hit, this last couple of shutdowns have really hit you and the people who, who work in the organization that you lead, Prime 810, it hit you all hard. What type of supports do you feel like you need right now? And then who do you, I won't even ask you to ask, to say, who do you think you need them from? But what types of supports do you feel like you need right now? Um, grants, simple, something to help us stay afloat. Because like, like I said, I'm, even with my workers, I've, I've, uh, raised, uh, the pay. I have like, oh, I've overstaffed just to kind of make sure that my workers had money for Christmas. I, I took the hit, you know, by overstaffing, but still, you know, my, my, you know, my bills stay the same, but my sales went down because of takeout only. So, and like I said, I put in for a couple grants and I've not got one yet. Because I was trying to do the outdoor, like even the outdoor seating. I had to still pay all that out of my money. I got all that tied into that. And the township is kind of giving me a, a little bit of run around right now. So, you know, I'm at a standstill with that can't win for you know you you know you stuck with your hand behind your back yeah man i get it completely and we will talk i will say we'll talk a little bit offline it always feels like you're trying to push a conversation offline but we'll talk a little bit about how we offer those supports and make sure that we dig deep and um, do what we can to support the work that you're doing i think the other thing that we have to really question or ask ourselves is what it about what about the system needs to change so there's some individual actions that have to happen but then there's some things around the system and the way dollars flow we got state dollars we got federal resources we got philanthropic local philanthropic resources and how are we ensuring that those um, resources are flowing in some type of concert in a way that it meets the needs of folks as they need them i mean as they as they need access to resources. And so um, we will talk a little bit offline about that. But again, I wanna thank you all for, for joining. And I'm gonna to throw to each of you to kind of give a last statement on what, what is it that you need from the listening audience? There's some folks that are jumping on, they wanted to understood, understand what you were doing and how you were doing, but I'm sure many people wanted to know what they could do to support. So what are the things that people can be doing to support you in this time? You know, I'll just dive in and, you know, I, I we've gotten in the habit of cooking a lot at home. Um, and really what we could easily do is we could order from those places that you see on the screen here and the thing and the businesses you've heard mentioned. Um, this is what's going to keep the cash coming in to at least continue to pay employees to keep these businesses alive. Um, and so the ones that are open and, and able to sort of engage in that type of commerce, the takeout options um, that you, I mean, the kind of stuff you heard Ray talk about, uh, 
that's what's going to be critical until this next um, you know, support from the government comes in and how that rolls out. And hopefully what we've talked about here will come to fruition, but there's still a way to support these businesses um, in this takeout only era. And I'll, I'll add to that, that most of the businesses that are doing takeout right now, like, like Ray Ray says, is it's not so much to make money on the business, it's to keep our employees healthy. And so the people that have a job and haven't been negatively impacted, when you go get your takeout order and you normally give 15 or 20% tip, throw a 30 or 40% tip on there because it's going to go straight to the employees and they need it. Um, I gave uh, some of the employees, I gave them all a hundred bucks a, a while ago, about three, four weeks ago, just, just cause, right? And this one young lady came up to me, she says, thank you so much. And she wanted to give me a hug. And it's like, well, what's going on? She said, I didn't have enough gas money to go to work. Are you kidding me? We're 2020 in the, in the United States of America and she doesn't have enough gas money to go to work to make little money because we're in a carry out business, right? So don't forget, don't forget the, 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 those restaurant workers and a little extra tip goes a long way. They'd really appreciate it. We heard you try to throw in a Ray Ray on there. That's when we're, that's that when we're going to average six points a game. <laughs> I'm the only guy that can call him Ray Ray. It goes a lot. It's 25 years ago. It's the only way I know him. <laughs> but yeah, I agree with both of you guys. Um, just support, you know, come out, do some takeout, you know, and we try to help us out. Yeah. Kisa. Um, let's just continue to support one another, um, love on one another a little bit more, and let's uh, keep having these um, difficult conversations, seeing what people's thoughts are. Um, what else can I say? Definitely, uh, let's, you know, keep teaching each other because, like I said, I'm in the learning business. I'm in need for a couple of mentors, and I'm uh, all of us are in need for mentorship. So I think the mentorship is like the most important right now because we need to steadily, in order for us to grow, we're gonna have to keep learning and we need people that's willing to put that information out there. So that, uh, cause you know, we all know that we do better if we all do better together, the whole place would keep growing. So that at the end of the day, that's what it's about. No matter what we look like, we got to continue to make this place grow. And then that way we preparing for the next generation to come up so we can get our old asses out the way and let them do their thing. We need new, innovative individuals coming in, no matter what they look like. We need innovators and, and that's the that's the key to just keep that thing going. I'm glad that's how you grow. I'm glad to been off the line with these innovators. Keista, Ray, Philip, Dr. Bobby, thank you all so much. We're gonna continue the conversation, both literally and moving forward, we're gonna continue the conversation. Uh, we are going to order. We're going to get some spectacular spuds. If you haven't had the shrimp Alfredo, you got to get in there. You can get extra shrimp yeah, on that yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> if you haven't had the, the the lamb chops at Ray spot, you need to get up to Prime 810, get you some to-go some to go lamb chops. Um, Phil, I think you all are still doing to-go orders? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. You can, get you, up. you can get you some tacos down at Zolo for sure. And, uh, and Dr. Bobby said a handful of restaurants, so you can take your chance, but I'll tell you, there's a filet mignon with, with some asparagus and some spinach on top of it down at, uh, at Marge's spot at the court that you can jump in and get it. So thank you all for joining. We appreciate you. One, one, Zeke, one, one item. Um, I noticed that Fenton started a GoFundMe. Does anybody know about the GoFundMe page that they started for the um, workers at the restaurants? I have not heard of it. Never they raised $20,000. They raised 20, I think the number is $20,000 and that's going to the 
restaurant workers because obviously they're shut down like everybody else. So I don't know how all that works. I was surprised. I didn't think they'd raise $2,000 and it went over really well. So they're, they're, that's another way that we could help that's, out some of these restaurants. You know, that's a really good point, Phil. That's because people love people. People need, One thing we've learned during COVID is that people need people. And this idea of tipping when you can, eating out when you can, choose the weekend days, choose a Friday or a Saturday or a yep. Sunday, choose a couple of restaurants and rotate it if you can do it. I'm not forcing folks who can't afford to do it to do it, but when you can, you should make, I mean, I've spent so much money on grocery. My wife is coming in on the next line. We've spent so much money on grocery. It might be cheaper sometimes to just order some lamb chops and right. <laughs> <laughs> right, so uh, um, I'm thankful again for you all being here again. Like, like Phil said, tip. Not only do you go and support these organizations, but support the people that are doing the work. Ray, Ray put it clean. These folks are hurting. It's Christmas season. Everyone wants to be able to support and spend some time with their family. Let's make it easier for folks if we can. Again, thank you all for Remember that when you put out them extras, those tips, those blessings, they come right back. So you yeah. get that back. So yeah. Oh, there you go. Talk about it. Talk Thanks, Deborah. Thanks, Isaiah. All, All right. right. All right. So, All right. So you guys have a good one. Good night. So next, um, this next rotation that we have is going to be pretty cool because Adrian is usually our resident expert on what we're doing to support small businesses throughout this pandemic period. But today we have some amazing folks that have been in this field, in this work for a long time. So we have Heather Kale from the Ferris Wheel that is joining us. We have Brandy Cook Brown, uh, who's joining us from 100K Ventures. And we have Shanice Ali, who's joining us from Metro Community Development. We also have an amazing young woman. I'm telling you, <laughs> she, is, she is amazing. Um, she, she's worked out of the Ferris Wheel. She's doing some work right here out of our basement here at the Oliver Home. Um, her name is Shay Oliver, and we have her also joining us here to talk about these supports that we've been able to offer and maybe even get into a deep discussion about the supports that people need moving forward. So one, thank you all for being here. And I'm just going to start off by just throwing around a this question out for a round is just, how are you doing? Heather, you're the biggest on my screen right now. How are you doing? Shocking. <laughs> Uh, you know, just uh, rolling with punches like everybody else. Um, just I think that I'm uh, in a position right now to be more malleable than anybody else um, with with the way our business model is set up. So I, I don't feel as much pressure, I don't think, um, as a lot of, but I certainly absorb it from my empathetic standpoint um, from my community. So there's that. Brandy, how are you feeling? You're on mute. You probably see it right now. <laughs> I'm trying to drown out Kenny there. Um, no, it's- we'll Talk about it's, working from home and kids in a minute. Yes, <laughs> that's a whole nother challenge, man. Um, but no, honestly, I am, what people have experienced in 2020, I will say we have been very fortunate. Um, the transition to moving to virtual, um, while it was, you know, had its challenges, it went fairly smooth. And what was great about it is we were able to pivot, and we'll probably talk more about this, is um, taking time to understand what people needed from us. So I will say that was the biggest thing, um, is that, you know, we go in there, we do our assessments, we help people with next steps to get their ideas off the ground. But it was a great time for us to kind of sit back, reflect, and, you know, ask community members ask clients that we've worked with to say okay so this is a crazy time what do you need um and that allowed us some flexibility to kind of start introducing new things like we let people take over our instagram uh, for you know days adrian got a chance to do it and it was awesome 
Um, and so, you know, introducing new things just to keep people engaged and, you know, let people know we understand it's tough. Um, and we are no exception to that. So let us, you know, tell your stories as well. So I, like I said, we're pretty fortunate for everything that's happened, but you know, there's still some time to go in the midst of this. Thank you. Shanice, how are you doing? And thank you for being here. I, I hounded you because we needed your voice. How are you, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, well, thanks for having me too. I'll start with that. I, you know, I, I think you just, at this, there's no way to really put it. You either going to gather yourself and move, plow through, or you're going to just get left behind. So you kind of got to figure out what you're going to do and do it. So, um, you know, making the adjustment in every area of your life from family to work. I mean, you just got to make the adjustment. So that's what we've been doing. Hanging in there, being prayerful for everyone outside of, you know, that's dealing with this as well. So that's pretty much what I've been doing. Staying prayerful and hopeful and, and trying to bring joy, laugh, smile every day. Because it's, you know, the world is going through. It's not just my family or someone else. It's everybody. So. And, and Shay, Shay, you upstairs. How you doing upstairs? <laughs> I'm doing good right now. I have to lock all the doors to lock the kids out. But <laughs> um. I would say that hold on, hold on. I, you locked them out and I locked them out. What's going on? <laughs> They're fine. They're fine. No, but um, I would say that I've been uh, blessed during uh, this season. Um, I would say I did take a hard hit, though. A lot of my business comes from, you know, from formal gowns and working with high school students and, you know, during their prom. So when COVID started, it was like right in the midst of me taking orders. So I went from being booked fully to getting half of those orders, you know, dropping half of those orders. So it was definitely an adjustment. Um, I had to figure out how to kind of reinvent myself and figure out how to, you know, reach a different audience, uh, especially now uh, with us not knowing what's going to happen in the future. There may not be a prom. So, you know, I'm trying to figure out you know, what's next and how do I kind of, how do I continue to bring in, you know, income or revenue uh, without that big bulk of my business. So I have been blessed. I, you know, I'm still getting orders and everything, but that's definitely a big chunk that will be missing potentially next year. It's interesting that you say this it almost makes me want, I wish I had Ray still on because you were talking about pivots and being innovative. You and Ray kind of did something crazy this summer where you just decided, okay, Proms aren't happening and people are trying to be safer, but we're going to create an environment for us to not only allow them to experience this, but quite frankly, it was good for you for business because you were able to still support some of those young women and young men who wanted to have a prom and do the outdoor social distancing kind of thing. Talk about not only what you did, but why you why you did it. So, like you said, a, a part of it was definitely for you know the kids i mean that's a, a milestone that we all look forward to you know since we start school to go to our senior prom and so to have that snatched away you know as a senior is devastating um so my first thought was you know when i first heard that schools are starting to cancel their proms i reached out to ray and asked him like hey you know what if we can figure out how to do something for these kids um, where they can still get the experience, but, you know, in a safe way. And so that's what, where we came up with the, <laughs> called it the quarantine clean prom. <laughs> um, and, you know, it was for any student in Genesee County was able to attend, but also for, you know, there are several seamstresses and fashion designers in the city of Flint who rely on 
you know, that prime audience. So it was also a way to kind of help them to kind of save some of that, you know, that income that they would be receiving from doing those dresses. So I'll, I'll get in throw here to Brandy and Shanice who are doing lots of supports for people who have those amazing ideas that are trying to do their business or beyond the idea stage, they're really working on, on having a functional business. And so um, what have you seen by way of innovation or pivots from folks that has been like worth noting today um, from your clients? I'll start. Um, so we, uh, Metro, we work not just only with businesses in Genesee County, we stretch all the way out um, to the Detroit area, um, all the way up to Bay City. And we've just seen a lot of uh, influx of a lot of individuals starting new businesses, um, you know, not only just starting a business, but actually just like putting down the foundational work in terms of like business plan. Uh, what is a plan that I can put together to start what I want to start? I mean, to giving a lot of people a little bit more confidence to do some of the things that have been on their heart maybe their entire life. And, you know, now this is a time to pivot and start something alongside something they're already doing. So I've, I've seen a lot of people um, really take a lot of chances in this season right now, just like really building the confidence to go ahead and start that business that they've always wanted to start. That's amazing. To echo those sentiments, that's exactly what we saw. You know, there was the dip when everybody just wasn't sure what was happening. And I think they're just trying to get their, you know, their bearings in the midst of change. Um, but then again, it kind of, as Shanice just said, you know, people start to reflect and say, hey, well, I guess now's the time to kind of start putting some movement towards something I've been thinking about for years. Um, and the only other shift I would add to that is we've seen a lot of people try to um, work in e-commerce into their business. So knowing that there is some suffering going on with the retail space, not that they still don't want that and have that um, option, but e-commerce has definitely become something that people have started to develop, knowing that, hey, who knows how long we'll need this and it's good overall, but um, but how do I make myself adaptable to that? So that's also been a pivot. When you start talking about e-commerce, it makes me think about Heather and the, and the model <laughs> of Ferris K, I mean, um, the Ferris wheel. And so I said Ferris K, but the HK, Ferris K, <laughs> that's all the same. So um, Heather, how is this, how is this hitting your, your world hard or is it hitting your world hard? Oh no, it, it definitely is. I think um, certainly in a different way. Um, like I said, we're, we're, our, our business model is set, at us, set us up um, almost to be, um, we're, we're certainly more malleable than a lot of businesses. Um, we're month to month. We don't have long-term leases um, for members. Uh, so if you have a great month, you can, or a great couple of months, you can upgrade, which um, the e-commerce side of it, we've had a couple of members that have gone from one singular office space to a suite, because um, they're just killing it right now, um, to folks that are, um, you know, in an industry where they're really feeling, feeling the, the, um, the heat right now. So, um, you know, I mean, it, it ebbs and flows every month, which is how our model is set up. Um, you really have to be um, empathetic and compassionate. And I think that just perception checking is huge um, to be able to, you know, what, what can I give without, you know, cutting off the nose, my nose to spite my face um, and support um, small businesses and, and really think how, how can I support and move everybody forward um, without really 
harming my business model. So it's just really about being flexible um, and trying to work within my parameters. You know, it's interesting that you say that. We just asked the restaurant owners and operators this question, and I'm just going to throw it at you all. What could we be doing to be more supportive of small business? And I know, obviously, buying more, but what is it? Is it checking them out? Is it following them? Is it listening? Like, what could we be doing more of as a community to support our small businesses? I will say one of the things that I noticed, and this was kind of briefly, I was able to tune in a little bit um, to the restaurant owner session. Um, but really the education piece is so huge right now. I think there's a lot of things that people aren't sure how to navigate. Um, and to be fair, I will say all of this without having a direct answer to the problem. Um, but <laughs> but I've just seen that you know people are, are trying to do this and they wanna know what's out there to kind of get done, but it's hard to navigate and know where to start first. So I think that's the biggest thing. So when you're talking to somebody who's you know, like, hey, I wanna start a business, what do you know about that? And whether you know what to do exactly or not, you may be aware, oh, the chamber, they do X, Y, Z, uh, Metro Community Development, they do this. Um, you know, 100K Ideas, you can start here. And you know, all of these resources that do exist within this community and how to navigate them. Cause one of us, it, even if it's not us, and I'm very transparent about this you know a lot of things may not fit our bubble but I can tell you who it does um, and I'm very you know we're very big about referring you to keep these moving because business starting here is good for everybody and Brandy I would like to just add to that it's not about saying oh hey yeah business XYZ go over here to Metro and talk to Shanice it's calling Shanice and saying hey I want to introduce you to so and so um, it's that warm handoff because there's a huge trust issue. There's a huge um, education issue. There's, I mean, there are multiple things that are playing against businesses right now that we as a community can kind of step in and fill those gaps. I think uh, my thing, I think as far as just like seeing support. So I'll use this as an example. A few weeks back or maybe a week back, uh, Bath and Body Works had a candle sale, right? And everyone went crazy. So people are buying up the whole site as far as candles. And um, it's like, I mean, I know several different businesses in Flint that sell candles. And I saw a comment actually from a small business owner that said, well, are there candles on sale? And it's like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, do we, Bath and Body Works really doesn't need, I mean, that much more money. Your money would be much more well spent going with the LJ Essentials or, you know, or a Bailey company who sells candles or at ship, you know, like. See you with the shout out. Go for Right. Be, I'm just saying, just be mindful, you know, that there are small businesses that could use your your dollars right now. We're in seriously in the middle of a crisis. Um, I mean, just be a bit more mindful. So, I mean, sharing posts sharing that business post you don't necessarily have to buy something but you know share it with your friends you know tell tell a friend i always say tell a friend to tell a friend the more people that know about you know the products the the better chance they have of making a sale so it's just being supportive yeah mr marola just said that he just i mean it's almost like this idea listen i might not need a candle today but if i want a candle next year i better support the candle companies that exist because they're not going to exist unless i support them today and tomorrow and so hey how do we start to stock up on those things? I mean, we got all kinds of candles around here, by the way. Shake telling our secrets. We got L.J. Essentials. One of those pictures actually looks like me. He has glasses on. He's got the full beard. It might or might not be me. Um, but yeah, shout out to the folks that are doing the work. But to the, to the point that Mr. Marola, I'm not saying whose dad that is, 
when Mr. Marola said, hey, we got to realize that we got to support these organizations because if we don't today, they will not be here tomorrow. And that's really us supporting the ecosystem and supporting it. And there's lots of work that Shanice is doing right now through her work at Metro, through prayer, through her supportive community to support those businesses. Talk to us a little bit, Shanice, about the work that you've been engaged in. So there's a lot. So we just finished or wrapped up on December 15th. Uh, we had uh, the CFGF grant that uh, we just wrapped up pretty much there. We're not accepting any more applications at this time, but oh my God, I was so, my heart was just warmed to be able to go through those applications and to be able to call those individuals and say, X, Y, Z is taken care of. We are covering this expense for your business. Like, you know, we got lots of applications um, and I just was just uh, just so happy to be able to assist those businesses with these grant dollars. So this isn't something that they have to grant. So, but even with that, we launched our BizBox program or relaunched it back a few months ago. And we've had an overwhelming, uh, just an influx in numbers of individuals who are wanting to learn about how to start a business. Um, you know, there's so much information, these, you know, social media, the web, they're flooded with information about, you know, how to start a business, where to start. I mean, we have people who are making businesses and I'm not, this is not knocking anyone for their hustle, but who are making businesses out of uh, teaching people how to start their business or how to fill out a form on, you know, michigan.gov on how to register your business, which these are all things that you can do yourself, you know, that you don't have to pay any one hundreds of dollars to do. But I understand, you know, sometimes wanting to connect with a professional who may know some more detail about the actual documentation. But so the BizBox program, I love being able to connect with new entrepreneurs who have no idea where to start. I have no idea, where, you know, serve safe, what's that? Or, you know, what licensing do I need? I, I want to start a food truck. You know, that very, uh, formulation or starting that very ground zero of, you know, getting that information on where should I start? You know, what are projections? What is a business plan? What should be on my business plan? Should my business plan be 75 pages long or should it be a good three pages? You know, these are all questions that a lot of these entrepreneurs that I have been um, in contact with this in these last nine months who they're ready to start something new and they're ready to, you know, learn everything they need to know about starting a business. So that's really what I've been putting my hands to. My days are, you know, filled with long conversations with entrepreneurs everywhere. Um, for example, I had a, a conversation with an entrepreneur in the Detroit area who was launching a vending machine um, with eyelashes in it. Like these are so, these are new things that are popping on the scene that are going to go forward and be inspirational for new, new businesses to pop up after this pandemic passes which I believe it will. Um, but yeah, I've been, I've been enjoying this time with hungry entrepreneurs ready to start and be innovative for the next thing. So I'm going to, we want and we're so thankful to you all for joining us. And I just want to ask one last question, which is like, what are you all grateful for this season? Obviously we've had a lot of pivots. We've had to adjust as organizations, as business leaders, as people who work in organizations and support organizations. What are you grateful for in this season? Uh, I'll start because I think I'm the only one unmuted right now. Um, I think the obvious uh, thing is health, but more importantly, uh, well, equally as importantly is a community. I really think that um, the key to our recovery is our community and it always has been. Um, local connectedness and 
the opportunity to help folks that are not connected locally and can't navigate um, systems or don't know how to navigate some of the systems. I think that's a, a huge um, thing that I look forward to, to be able to kind of, you know, like I say, the warm handoff, the holding, the supporting, the, the opportunity to be able to lift, um, you know, as they say, rising tide lifts all boats. Um, I really think that our community is um, far and beyond many others. And I'm so proud that that I'm here and that I'm with you all right now on this on this uh, Zoom Facebook. Um, I really, 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 truly believe that community is the key to recovery and that we are um, far and away one of the best. I agree. Brandy. Yeah, I, to echo Heather's sentiments, health is the number one thing um, that I'm extremely grateful for. And again, grateful to be in a position to just continue to help people the way that I know how, um, and also to see people come together. I've said it before, you know, not originally being from Flint. Um, I've never seen a place like Flint um, and the community that it has and the support that it offers. Like literally, I, the amount of bedrock and good boy outfits that I see on a daily basis throughout this city is like crazy. So you don't see that everywhere. Um, and so I'm just grateful to be a part of this space and, you know, kind of really make sure, you know, those who can be supported are supported and, you know, just kind of be there to engage and, you know, see what our, see what the future holds and grateful that hopefully, you know, we're, we're going to turn a corner soon, hopefully. <laughs> Thank you so much. Shay. Trying to get Shay in and out of the way so she can unlock the door and make sure my kids can hear it. I am grateful for really just support that I've received with, uh, you know, new projects, whether it be people supporting by buying those products or just supporting by, you know, liking a Facebook post. But of course, being uh, thankful for being healthy, my family being healthy, um, and being in a position where. I'm not wanting for anything. Um, that's, I think that's what it's all about. It's just truly grateful and being blessed. You and Shanice. Um, I'm grateful, of course, for health and for my family, for my husband and my children. Um, none of my family, you know, has gotten ill, but, you know, just prayerful for everyone else's family. Just grateful for that. And also I'm grateful for my voice because I think everyone should be grateful for the voice in this time, you know, being able to comfort or encourage other individuals, people are going to need encouragement during this time and going forward. Someone's going to need someone or to just hear them out, you know, so I'm, I'm grateful for my voice. And I think we all should use our voice in this season um, of, you know, being a helpful voice, giving whatever you can to another individual to lift them up in this time. Well, I'm thankful to each one of you. I've had the opportunity professionally to work with you in different ways, whether it be to work at the Ferris Wheel. I've been able to speak to some groups with Brandy and 100K Ventures. Obviously, I work very closely with Shay, um, if not anything else but the babysitting business that we have at our house. Um, we've worked together plenty. And then Shanice, the Community Foundation, we've been working with you all just recently. You're an amazing partner. And so um, thank you all for the work that you do for this community. And I tell you, as we start thinking about entrepreneurs, we started with restaurant owners, um, owners and operators we moved to folks who offer to support supports for small businesses and now we're going to talk to some storefront owners some folks that are operating right here in downtown Flint that are doing work and so as we pivot I'm going to give the wave and thank you all for joining us and then I'm going to wave some other folks into the conversation here um, Heidi 
Heidi, um, Heidi from Shift right here, downtown Flint. Um, Jason from Bedrock. We were just talking about people having so much Bedrock in their homes. And right now, what it means in this season, how you feeling, Dorian, um, keeping our beers moisturized. But he also um, is doing lots of work out of Kama Bookstore and offering supports through that space for the Naturals and a host of other organizations that are doing work out of that space. And so, uh, one, I just want to say welcome. Thank you. And then, um, and we do have Oakland Mixing from Good Boys going to join us in just a minute here. And so um, we'll have a good conversation about what it means to not only operate a business, but to operate a storefront business during this time. And so it's got to be different. But again, I just want to welcome you all. How are you feeling? That's the question mark on the question mark <laughs> on the end of that one. How are you feeling? Well, I'm feeling good. Um, I appreciate the opportunity. Um, you know, tell me what this is. You know, look, is this a fence in front of you? Are you talking to me? Yeah. 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 What uh, is it? Oh man, you can see that. Oh wow. I'm trying to I'm trying to set up my little I didn't have time to have the setup Isaiah has because he's been at home chilling all day. I just literally <laughs> shut the store down and uh came over here to basically <laughs> sit down. I've I've been home for seven minutes flat. So I just thought you got a puppy yeah, I, or something. I wasn't no, sure. no, well fine. I won't I had a, I will show you my setup, but I'm not. Anyway, <laughs> Isaiah, you always got jokes. And I heard you earlier say you had a full beard. That's not a full beard, but I'm proud of you for coming this far. Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, I, I am, I, I'm grateful, man. We, it's been really good for us. Um, everything has been a little crazy, um, but you know, these type of seasons really show that how the community supports you and, and how they support our brand and from everybody, from my brand, the good boy, to 810, the comic bookstore, you know, to shift. I mean, everybody, you can see that the community goes out of their way to be conscious spenders. And when you're a conscious spender to make sure you're putting your dollars back into the community and not running your dollar up to Somerset Mall or down to Detroit, it's very important because if we do that, then our community will soon fail. So it's been really good and I'm blessed and, and we are blessed and I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Heidi, how are you feeling? How is Shift doing and how are you doing? I'm good. I would say uh, a little tired today. I had kids in tow at the store, um, stamping bags and, and packing things up and ringing people in, but that's the reality of the situation, um, right? These days, um, hustling to UPS, hustling to FedEx, right? Um, but we echo what Jason said. We feel um, incredibly blessed to have had a phenomenal holiday season, wrapping up a phenomenal holiday season um, on top of a, uh, a, a good year. I mean, all in all, um, we, we are very fortunate. Um, so we're still here, still here and uh, hanging in there, doing well. That's good. And Dorian, how are you all doing? Um, I know you've got setups in a few different places. So first of all, tell us where you have setups at, and then you can tell us how you're doing. Well, we have the, um, I have the natural pop-up shop at the uh, Shops on Saginaw in the Dryden building. Um, that's been doing well. Uh, the Shops on Saginaw overall, um, from what I see, seems like it's doing pretty well. Uh, mostly, most of my products and everything has been sold out of Comma Bookstore. Um, which is my girlfriend, Egypt Otis Bookstore. Uh, we've been really, really fortunate um, with what we had talked about in opening up the bookstore and our plan of incorporating other people within the community 
um, into basically the everyday workings of the bookstore, whether that be bringing in their own products so we could, you know, display and give people an opportunity who normally would not have a space to be able to sell their products, um, to be able to have that space. And also the social hub aspect of the bookstore uh, with both of us realizing that you, it's not just in Flip, but anywhere you're not gonna make enough money just selling books um, to stay open. Um, so we tried to make sure that we could be what we wanted to be originally was a social hub, utilizing some of our small stage areas to do small concerts, productions, book readings, book signings, you know, all that type of stuff. Um, of course, we haven't been able to have those in-person crowds that we initially had when we first opened up, but we have been able to stream a lot of programs. We've had Isaac Ryder, Jason Wagner. Um, last night, we even partnered with Bedrock um, and brought Zip in there. Um, he's an employee, which is really cool. And he also just released his EP and he did a seven song, eight song set, you know, at the bookstore, which was a real cool collaboration. Um, and we just had, you know, a lot of other collaborations and reaching out in the video, like unplugged. What'd you say? Y'all selling the video, the video, like unplugged. We need live music right now. Nobody's creating new live music. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, um, I, I think it's still up and available. If anybody wants to go back and check it out. Um, that's probably a question for, uh, or uh, Jason, depending on the uh, distribution he wants to do, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but 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 yeah, um, we actually did have. Speaking of an unplugged type thing, we did have the, the Beats and Beers Untapped, which was like a variety show, almost type program, which was really cool. We partnered with Tony Vu um, at the Vietnamese restaurant in the farmers market. We also had uh, speaking of Ray Tyler, who was on earlier. His head bartender made some drinks as part of that production. We had a local artist in that too, so. Um, a lot of our growth, and it's one thing that we've been really humbled by, and one thing that we realize is a lot of our growth and our success as Comic Bookstore has been because of our support of other businesses and entrepreneurs and just people in the community and them bringing people into the store and into just our realm and into our social media following and everything like that. So, I mean, the collaborations with, for instance, Bedrock has been able to, you know, maybe open us up to a larger demographic than we wouldn't have had. Um, collaborations with A10, Good Boy. Um, collaborations with your lovely wife, Isaiah. Shea Oliver sells her products at our store. So, I mean, it's it's been able, it's, it's been really cool for us to be able to use a lot of local talent and people to be able to build us a nice base because when they come in to look for, let's say an A10 sweatshirt and they say, oh, wow, you know, this is cool or maybe I'll get some beard oils or vice versa or grab a book um it's been it's been really really um economically uh prosperous for us actually during COVID. so it's something that we really can't complain about dorian you oh go ahead adrian yeah no i was just gonna ask uh, I, I think that's cool i think the other thing that all three of you uh have done you all are located within downtown flint uh you all could be anywhere right and your your businesses again extend beyond the county boundaries but you add so much uh, to the community as small businesses do. So why Flint uh, for, for all of you in terms of why is your business located within the city of Flint? Um, well, I, my because I am Flint. Everything about the brand is Flint. I didn't, I built this very small and started in a, um, a consignment style shop. Uh, most may not know, and I know people like Isaiah know, um, when I first moved home to help care for my mother, 
Uh, I started this in a, a consignment shop that I had a table and two two stanchions and basically built it. It was getting too big that it was taking over that small shop that I had to look for something else. And Isaiah and Phil Schatz was very instrumental in helping me find, you know, I was the second business in the capital retail next to shift. And I, so we were, it was important. It wasn't wh where I was going to go. It was where everybody wanted us and to be centrally downtown you know you didn't want south side people to not want to come deep north and you didn't want north side people not to come all the way to the south it was very important to be central you know so to be right downtown you know and it wasn't a popular thing when when i started it was not it was only good boy was downtown before myself especially as a black owned business and and after that you started to see more and more of us coming downtown and more and more businesses being um, wanting to be downtown and coming downtown on a regular. And if it wasn't for COVID, that summer was going to be the most epic summer we had ever seen downtown because the, the momentum was was enormous. Um, and, and I think it will come back after this all lets up. But, but it was important for us to be in Flint because Bedrock is Flint and that's you know, the meaning of bedrock is directly tied to the type of people we are. Um, and, and so it was, it made, it would have made no sense to start in this business anywhere else. We'll, we'll go more places, but it would always be known and we'll always have a flagship store here in Flint. Um, for us, I, I'm not from Flint. I'm a transplant. Um, so this was an effort to, um, another effort to put uh, put movement and resources, my time and energy and my commitment um, to a community that has given me so much um, and that is the hometown of my children, right? Um, and to help build um, something that they're proud of and that they want to stay here, right? And they want to make this, continue to make this their home. Um, and give back in that regard. And it was also, you know, very important to us uh, to create something that was um, missing downtown, if you will. There wasn't, you know, the retail was, was starting, right? Um, but we wanted to throw our weight behind that because we knew a thriving downtown could not just exist on bars and restaurants. You had to expand upon that to other forms of commerce, right? And we knew that an anchor store in the capital was going to be uh, key, right? So that was a, a risk we took and we knew that we could draw people downtown from out county. We knew that if they came down and saw um, if it was to pick up a, a unique sweater they saw on social media or whatever it was, that then they could hop to the farmer's market and they would go across to, to Zolo and they would run up the street to say, Jason's Bedrock, where'd you get that amazing sweatshirt, Heidi, right? So um, we wanted to, and we've been successful um, and we're grateful for that, of um, exposing Flint <laughs> to many people that hadn't been downtown. We'd lived in, Shannon, myself, we'd lived in that bubble for quite some time, but a lot of people hadn't been downtown and didn't see all the amazing things that were happening. Um, and it's meant so much to see so many come and, and have that initial exposure and then start to frequent and um, you know support all the other burgeoning businesses that have come um, since we opened more doors. So that's why downtown Flint was the only choice. What about you, Dorian? 
Oh, you're on mute. You're on mute. Dropping jewels right now. <laughs> well, um, actually, the reason why we are downtown Flint um, is because that was where we saw the the greatest need. I mean, the the the, the whole build up into us opening up the store. Um, we were actually driving back from uh, Detroit, and Egypt was like, "I want to open up a bookstore." So, I mean, with both of us, you know, being here, living here, um, having children here, so it's not like we can just get up and go. Um, we, we thought that it would be something that could be very valuable to the community. Uh, we were tired of driving to Ann Arbor, driving to Detroit, going to Chicago, other places to be able to get the type of experience um, that we think we're slowly able to uh, provide for the community. And um, we just actually, we, we really never thought about opening it up comma anywhere else but where it is literally um we we wanted to be downtown uh we of course wanted to be in flint and uh we wanted to be able to provide a space like i said for a lot of people in flint who may not be able to have that that retail space um to sell their products or to show you know how great an artist they are or some of the crafts and things that they do um we could you know provide that space for them because you know not everybody has the luxury of being a good boy or you know a bedrock where they you know can actually have a flagship store downtown you know um and, and because of that like i said you know with our partnerships with good boy um with our like you know starting hopefully uh i'm gonna put a little bug in trices here hopefully we can have even some more you know local artists and talent where we can you know do some partnerships and things like that because it only draws attention to downtown, not just to our space, but to Trice's space, but to to Shiv, to Shops on Saginaw. Um, much like Heidi was saying, uh, if, if one of us does good, all of us pretty much seems like you know we will do good and prosper. But that that was really our our, our thing from the beginning. I mean, the whole thing about Kama, kind of like what Trice said about Bedrock, is Flint. Um, we have been fortunate enough to have a real good internet presence. Um, when Kamala Harris came, that really boosted that a lot, sales nationally. But um, the whole premise to what we're doing, helping out um, people in the community, we have a children's book club, um, which pretty much services, I think it's up to about 75 children now in the city of Flint. Um, we also have kids in Siawassee County, Lapeer County, who are part of the program. Um, We've even got some funding from Jim Aninich. So we, we actually just wanted it to be um, a social hub for downtown Flint and something that we knew because both of us, you know, frequent downtown Flint that Flint did not have. And I think it's a very unique space. You know, it's interesting. I'll, I'll follow that question up because many of you talk about the experience that you've had in Flint. Dorian, you've been here for all of your life. Um, Heidi talks about being a transplant, but all that she's learned since being here. And Jason was born and raised here, moved away, lived in a number of places, including Miami when it was during the LeBron days, um, and then came back. What have you all learned in this last year that you're going to take with you into 20, into 2021? I, I've learned you got to be versatile. You know, you got to be able to move with what's going on. You have to be a little bit flexible. Um, and that's, it's so important. Um, and that's, that's been one of the things that I've been able to kind of, you know, versify, versify, be versatile, you know, and that is, 
in, in this time when things are going on, like when COVID hit and they closed us all down and you couldn't be open, I was curbsiding. I was still taking orders. People were pulling up and I was walking outside with those bags and I was giving them their stuff and they was paying via Cash App, PayPal, Venmo or handing me their card and letting me walk back in and swipe it. We didn't stop. When people wanted to know if we were taking you know, deferments. No, we were paying all of our bills and we was making it work. You know, we couldn't, you can't stop. You have to figure out a way to roll with the punches. And that's how we were able to stay profitable, stay in the mix. And even in the worst time any of us has ever been, ever seen that we were able to kind of stay in the flow. So that, that, that's what I know we were able to do. We were able to to, to kind of, you know, figure it out, you know, sometimes, and, and I'm not afraid to call anyone. I call all of y'all on, on this Zoom that I see for the most part has gotten a call from me whenever I need some form of help. And I answer the phone on the other side when you guys need me of any, any sort. So that's what I found that's really important. Um, for mine, I guess I would say taught that it's okay to feel uncomfortable. Um, I would echo what Jason said about being able to pivot, um, but being uncomfortable is what um, enabled us to stay successful throughout. I don't like going on Facebook Live and putting on clothes and dancing around and modeling. I did it. Um, I don't <laughs> care for the technology behind a POS and learning a Shopify system and Facebook shops. Don't care for it. Made me really uncomfortable, but I did it, right? Um, we push through what makes us uncomfortable because we know um, that it's only with that that we are going to find success on the other side and new skills that'll get us through um, this unprecedented time. So it's okay to push. Dorian. Well, um, there's, there's a couple of things. Um, first of all, having a, a real good partner, um, not just business partner, but just at-home partner, life partner, support team, very, very important. Um, creativity. Uh, the desire to stay relevant and um, something that I'm sure Isaiah, Adrian and uh, Trice will definitely uh, understand when I say this and um, Noah, this to you, Heidi, but uh, it was just like, you know, um, kind of like what we all grew up on, you know, the test of a man and, um, you know, being able to be flexible, being able to overcome thriving in adversity. I mean, it's actually something that, you know, my dad used to say that, just like with having a baby, you know, it either make you or break you. That's kind of like how COVID was for a lot of businesses and a lot of people. You know, I saw a lot of businesses downtown act like, you know, when COVID first started and all the shutdowns and everything happened, like it was the end of the world, you know, and Jason was talking about how he was bringing stuff out to the cars. You know, at that time we had actually um, bought a sweatshirt from him for uh, Egypt's brother you know, um, right when COVID had started. And it was like, yeah, he still he still had him, was still doing his thing. Um, I was delivering that trail on my motorcycle, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was making posts about it, you know. I, I it, it even got to the point where I had some people who were ordering products and would, would literally text me when I told them I was on the way, like, you know, you making sure you ride your motorcycle because my son wants to see it, you know. So we, we, we had to be really versatile. We opened up the bookstore. Actually, the... The Monday before the Monday that Gretchen Whitmer shut everything down was when we opened up. 
So to be honest with you, all we know, <laughs> you know, I almost want to sound like, you know, old Negro spiritual, but all we know is hard so far. So I haven't even had the luxury of being a part of a quote unquote ideal retail situation almost yet. So um, even with Nat Troil, you know, we were located in a pop-up shop. We didn't have, you know, a brick and mortar. So I'm really looking forward to, I don't know, they say maybe after the spring or whenever, you know, the vaccines get out, if people decide to take them, you know. That De Deborah, Deborah, he talking about vaccines. Yeah, well, I mean, know. whenever we start talking about health stuff, then we call Deborah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah. Well, well, you know, and hey, I, I'm not, I'm not promoting it or saying, you know, it's a, it's up to anybody who wants to do it. But I'm just saying, maybe, hopefully, you know, when the vaccines get out, or if it subsides, or whatever happens, happens, um, and we get back to what quote unquote normal is, we're really looking forward to it because um, a lot of the things that we did and have been doing um, virtually, I think, would have such a larger effect if we could do them, you know, with this, with some type of audience or be able to just have programs and things like that at the bookstore. Um, and like I said, we have been fortunate to have pretty good foot traffic. And I think that's also a testament to just downtown in general. Um, having Bedrock, Good Boys, Shops on Saginaw, you know, um, Shift. And, and the restaurants that are still, you know, trying to do things like 501, you know, has kind of fought through this. Um, shout out to Rodney at the Loft. You know, he's done what he's been able to do. Um, so it, it's been able to provide, you know, some foot traffic downtown, even when you didn't think there was going to be a lot. Um, being located next to, to the barbershop, you know, um, being able to trickle off of some away in the barber's clients and Tim's clients has been great. So, um, like I said, I'm really looking forward to an ideal retail situation because we have not had that yet. You know, I haven't, we haven't had that, that luxury. So, um, you know, that's, a uh, pretty much it. Well, they, Adrian, Adrian has given me the, um, Isaiah time is up text already. Okay. Five, yeah. five, you gave it to me five minutes ago, though. So um, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for taking some time on your Friday night to hang out with us. You all are, you are, you are the small businesses that we look to to kind of drive through this through this period. Um, Shift has been there for a long time. I remember buy, I bought Shea dresses during the pandemic, pre-pandemic, post-pandemic. I'll hopefully buy more dresses from Shift. Um, the reality is, we need to support you all not only for today. Uh, Mr. Marola said this earlier in the chat. It's not about today. If we want to have businesses like this in our downtown center tomorrow, we got to support you now. And so if you can drop in and get some oils, grab a book. There's always something new to read, something new to pick up. Um, there's so You can get glasses. You can get art. You can get everything out of comic book stores. Stop by. Shift has the same thing. You can get bracelets. You can get men. You can get soap. I bought soap at Shift. Just, just an FYI. There's a small men's section over to the side if you want some some access to some shirts and things. Um, and and in Bedrock, I can't say enough about Jason. I've been rocking. With, I I probably I don't have the most because I've heard there's some people that got a lot of stuff. Uh, but um, I probably got easily 50, 60 Bedrock t-shirts, shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies. Um, I've been a supporter since the beginning. I will continue to be. He's probably about to get some business from me for Christmas. Is between StockX and Bedrock, I'm probably broke. So um, 
I got lots, lots to spend and lots to, um, lots, lot. I want to support more, um, not only because I want to support you all through this period, but because I think long term, we want you all to be here as fixtures in this community. So again, thank you for all that you do. I'm looking forward to the future together. And um, quite frankly, for our listening audience, we want them to understand that you all exist, you're continuing to do the work, and that you not only exist for you, you exist for them. And so thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Adrian, man, we've got to close this thing out, but do you want to close out by saying anything? Uh, we've heard from restaurant owners and operators. We've heard from folks that offer supports for small businesses. And we've heard from some folks who have storefronts right here in downtown. They were here before the pandemic and they're going to be here afterwards. Anything you want to say to folks that are listening on? Yeah, I think the, I think the main thing we heard, Isaiah, is the importance of supporting always, but especially supporting now. Uh, so I don't, I don't want to muddy that message, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, I'm here just like you are, Isaiah, with everyone else and clearly accessible uh, to help navigate any small business around any type of grant opportunities that may be available, any type of interpretation around legislation. But again, the most important piece is supporting the local small businesses, whether it's restaurants, retailers, um, whatever it is right now, and, and to continue that uh, support, uh, even as we get on the other side of COVID. And I'm taking away the overflow isn't for you, man. We've got a we've got a responsibility to be the bridge, to be the connectors, and make sure that everything that we have by way of social capital, we're lending it to those who need it during this time. So I've got work to do. You've got work to do. Um, we're looking forward to doing it. So thanks for joining me. Thanks for co-hosting today. Oh, um, no. Dr. Deborah, she's playing um, executive producer in the background, moving people in and out. So thanks to her, and uh, we look forward to seeing you all on the next time we get on here. Bye now.